This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 367, recorded on Monday, March the 19th, 2018. Yay. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We are, of course, here to talk about Season 8, Episode 12 of The Walking Dead, which aired last night. We are going to get to that. We are also going to get to some of your holy crap moments towards the end. But before that, I want to talk about our Record Your Favorite Scene contest once again, really quickly. This is our contest that's been running all of Season 8, and uh, the idea is you choose a scene from any episode of The Walking Dead going all the way back to season one and you get together with your friends, family or by yourself and record it and uh, send it in to us. At the end of the season, Jason and I will listen to them all, choose our favorites and you will win a big fancy prize pack, which I am committed to sending anywhere in the world. So don't worry about being in North America. We've had winners in the UK. We've had winners in Australia. We've had winners all over the place. So uh, don't worry about that. And I look forward to receiving more entries. Now, I am going to play an entry in the contest. So uh, to give people some uh, an idea of the kind of thing that people are doing and some inspiration, maybe this comes from Adam in sunny Buffalo, New York. We face dire challenge and chance. Our lives, our way of life, it hangs in the balance. A fragile glass standing on a wire, high above the asphalt, as we pray for not one drop of rain under an overcast sky. And yet, I smile. We will fight, and we will bleed, and yet I smile. We shall face men, some cornered into their roles by circumstance, some desperate murderers thrilled by blood. We shall end them all. As is our charge this day, as is our sorrow, and yet I smile. We will leave our loved ones to traverse a dangerous road, rushing out of peace into war. For we will mine glory from the rock of struggle this day. We will honor and protect this, this bastion of life in a land of the dead, and we will win. You trust the king. We will win. I smile. I laugh. I rejoice this day. For on this day we are joined in purpose and vision. We are of a singular heart and mind. On this day, we are one. Thank you, Adam, for that. What did you think of that, Jason? That was most awesome. Excellent. Would you follow that man into battle? I'm I'm leaving right now. <laughs> That's how I feel. I think he did a great job. <laughs> uh, that was Adam in sunny Buffalo, New York, doing one of King Ezekiel's And Yet I Smile speeches. Mm-hmm. So that was great. If you would like to get an entry in, I highly recommend you pick a scene and record it and send that email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You don't need a fancy microphone. You don't need anything special. If you're walking around with a smartphone, you probably already have a recording device in your pocket. So find a, a voice memo app and just use that. It's perfect. 
That's a that's that's a very good point. Everybody, uh, a lot of people have uh, smartphones and or computers, and if you're listening to a podcast, there's a real good chance that you have either or of those. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not a difficult thing to do. Don't worry too much about audio quality. We we just want to hear your interpretation of it. So uh, get those in. Talking Dead Podcast at gmail dot com. Okay, C- call your answering machine. You can you can do that. I suppose you could do that too. Call your own answering machine. <laughs> yeah, when you had people had like actual hardware answering machines with like cassette tapes that you put in there. Yeah, people would call in, uh, call themselves, and leave memos all the time. That's a great idea. See, there's always a way. And then uh, somehow send that cassette in, <laughs> and it'll be one of those mini cassettes, which I'm going to have to find something to play it on. But hey, I'll go. Or, the- or standard one. I had an answering machine that had a standard cassette. Really? Uh, you could just uh, you know put it in an envelope and uh, write. Uh, uh, you know, address it to the internet, uh, care of <laughs> the networks, right? And then drop it in the mail, and they'll find it. The talking, it's like Santa Claus, the Talking right? Dead you, podcast, care of the internet. It'll get care, to us. Yeah, no problem. You just write Santa on an envelope and throw it in the mailbox. Santa gets that shit, of course. But you have to put the postal code H zero H zero H zero. I'm not sure that uh, you necessarily have to. I'm sure that uh, you just write Santa on an envelope and throw it in the mailbox. Santa's going to get it. Santa's going to get it. You're probably right about that. Anyways, don't send stuff to Santa. Send it to us. Yeah, Santa, we have no affiliation with Santa Claus. We do not. We do not. He will not know what to do with your recordings, but we will. So send them to us. And the best way to do that is still probably the email address, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Chances are, yeah. Okay, thank you. Anything else, Jason, before we move on into this week's recap? Please move on. All right. Season 8, Episode 12 of The Walking Dead. Here we go. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Lee in St. Catharines, and you've been watching The Key. Hi, guys. I got The Key. Thank you very much, Lee in St. Catharines, and Daniel in Worcester, England, for the title reads. Nice. I think that was funny. We got The, the Key from Lee in St. Catharines. That's almost almost three of them. <laughs> It almost rhymes. Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Uh, Not the most inspiring title, so not so many title reads this week, but that's okay. Um, Not the most inspiring for a title read, but a rather meaningful title in the context of the episode, I would say. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's get into it, Jason. We start with our cold open. We get some close-up shots of Negan, Simon, and Dwight, and I kind of got the feeling we were more or less picking up right where we left off from last week. And uh, it turns out we go to Dwight in his room at the sanctuary. So as we know, he's back there now. He's um, looking at his wedding rings that it looks like he keeps in an old cigarette pack. Mm -hmm. Keep them safe in there. So Negan comes to the door, brings him some beer. And uh, Negan says that they have to get some stuff done. And he needs needs his top guys in charge, of which uh, Dwight is one. So he's back in the fold. Just that easy. Shows up. Yeah, let's go. Let's get to work. He's back in the fold. They don't know that he's been doing anything against them. As far as, you know, Negan and the boys and everybody knows, Dwight has just been gone for a while. And he does give him some explanation for it. He says he was ambushed. He took a shot. You know, he was hiding out, um, worried about a blockade, and uh, then made his way back slowly. So Negan listens to this, kind of hesitates for a second, but then tells him he did a good job. Good. Do you think Negan is suspicious? No. I think, you know, when it comes right down to it, Negan's an idiot. (laughs) He has no idea actually what's going on. Is that what you're saying? Well, he's kind of just blundering around. You know, he's got this, uh, you know, this manifesto in his head of how to be a savior, and he just kind of 
bullheadedly plows through. Uh, he doesn't really make decisions. Everything just kind of just does this, do this, do this, do this, and and forces people to, uh, you know, to do his will. Uh, I don't think he really spends a lot of time thinking about stuff. But he does have a plan, and he's just trying to. He's just trying to execute that plan, right? He doesn't yeah, seem to want to. Yeah, but it's not like he thought up the plan. It kind of stumbled across it, right? Kind of. And it doesn't seem like he wants to deviate from it very much. No. Right? When things don't go well, he doesn't readjust. He doesn't recalculate. He just sort of sticks to sticks to the original idea. Yeah. He's more of a, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but uh, I, I just, I don't think that he's a, a big thinker, you know? <laughs> well, maybe not. Bit of a dummy? You calling Negan a bit of a dummy? I'm not saying he's a dummy. I'm just saying that uh, I don't think he spends a lot of time thinking about the the ins and outs of what's going on. I think he just kind of, you know, gets a spark of an idea and then bullheadedly plows forward with it. Sure. Okay. Well, that's that's I can I can see that he doesn't uh, he doesn't adjust very much. But I did feel there was a little hesitation here in this scene, though. But he he goes with it. He tells uh, Dwight that he did a good job. We see some saviors coating their weapons in zombie gore, just dipping it in guts, carving open zombies, poking them in and out. Pretty, some pretty gross stuff here, I would say. Yeah. You know? Gore, gross, grody. Yep. They're getting ready. Uh, Negan is walking around sort of Neganing, Neganing-ing, <laughs> being Negan, I'll say. Neganizing? Neganizing, yeah. Uh, about how great this is all going to be. You know, this is going to be amazing. This feels like the best idea he's ever had, speaking of having ideas. Ne- Neganulating? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Neganing. Um, uh, you know, he, he's, he says this to Simon, who's out there, and... Simon says, yes, sir, to his face, but I don't think he looked so sure as Negan walks away. He kind of, you know, his facial expression changes with a feeling, a, a look of doubt to me. Yeah. Very, so, uh, yeah, a trend uh, that will become more apparent as time goes on. Yes, absolutely. Dwight comes out of the building and Simon is given a speech uh, to the to all the rest of the saviors about scaring people. He says, don't kill them. Let them live, just frighten them, no headshots. Uh, Dwight goes to get on a motorcycle, but Simon says Negan is driving himself, so this time Dwight can ride with him in the truck. Nice. Of course, Dwight wants to, like, go off on his own, so if he has a chance to sneak away, maybe he can, but he won't be able to do that if he's in a truck with Simon. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're going to ride a bike, why get in a cage? Because, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you ride a bike, you, that's what you want to do. It's a nice day. Why mm-hmm. the hell wouldn't he want to stay on his bike and just drive around and do stuff? Now he has to sit in a truck with uh, uh, with Simon. Yeah. And where's the fun in that? No, none it's at not all. It's not like they can stop for coffee and get burgers and shit, you know, like a <laughs> good road trip. No, you're just sitting in there, the two of you looking at each other. Well, hopefully not a whole time. You know, somebody should be driving. But uh, it just, it sounds like a shitty road trip to me. It, it sort of does, yeah. If you have a motorcycle, why not take it? Uh, so anyways, all the saviors, they get in their vehicles and they, they roll out, including Negan, who, um, has a bucket, he gets in a car, uh, and he has a bucket of zombie gore on the passenger seat. And as he sits down, he dips Lucille in, you know, to get a little extra blood and guts on her. And he says, you look beautiful, baby. Yeah. No, Negan's got the right idea. He's off for a, uh, a nice romantic road trip. With yeah, his with, with his gore-soaked baseball bat. I gotta say, though, I thought that line was a little cheesy. I don't think, I don't think we needed a line there, you know, to have him get in the car, stick the, 
stick the bat in the bucket of gore. I think that was enough. That said everything we need. And he could have communicated the his feelings just with a look, I think. Yeah. If it was uh if it was Andrew Lincoln, a look would have been enough. Absolutely. But I think JDM could could have handled that in this scene as well. I just it felt stupid for him to say, You look beautiful, baby. Like like it actually is a a person in the seat beside him. Yeah. So I thought well, it was maybe a bit Lucille cheesy. made him say that. Right? Maybe Lucille is feeling a little self conscious. Yeah. Uh, being dipped in uh, gore. She's not used to it. Uh, she's uh, She needs a little validation. Right. And uh, she doesn't have eyes, but she can hear. So she asked Negan to say it. I guess so. Maybe. <laughs> she does call the shots after all. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we go through the opening credits, and when we come back, we have Rick and Michonne arriving at Hilltop, which, as we know, happened uh, at the end of last week's episode. Michonne comes in and hugs Maggie, but Rick kind of hangs back. And then one of the Hilltop members, who is a former Alexandrian named Barbara, brings Judith out to Rick, and he takes her in his arms, and then sort of gives a nod to Daryl as, I guess, a thank you for getting them there safely. Yep, that's nice. But no direct interaction that we saw between Rick and Maggie or anybody else. It's just Rick uh, takes his daughter, which is fine. I mean, he needs to he needs to see his surviving child. But I would have thought that there was some sort of reunion between, at least with Maggie or somebody. Eh, you, oh, sorry, you are saying that you needed to see that on the screen. I wanted to. I think it would have made sense. Yeah. Okay. I didn't need it. I thought it was fine. No, I know you don't need it. You don't think these people have any hearts at all. No, they have hearts. (laughs) They're just hardened hearts. Hardened, sure. All right. Well, we don't see it. Instead, we cut over to Rick at a grave. Now, this is a grave at Hilltop. So is this Glenn's grave? I couldn't tell you. I mean, Glenn is buried there, and uh, I assume Abraham is buried there, too. Although I got to admit, I forget now, but I think so. Um, I'm sure someone will call me out if that's, if that's stupid. But anyways, Rick goes to a grave. So at least it's Glenn's and Daryl comes and starts talking about how it's not fair. You know, the people who are gone versus the people who are still here. And he ends up apologizing about what he did at the sanctuary. You know, when he went off on his own and crashed the truck into it, he says he just wanted it done and ended and wasn't really thinking about the greater plan. Right. Uh, so he apologizes for that and Rick says he was wrong for worrying about killing innocent people. He should have just been worried about his own people. And he says that he's heading back out and he's okay or that he will be okay. But what do you think about this idea of Rick's that he now thinks that it was wrong for him to worry about innocent people? Uh, I don't know. He's flip-flopping all, all the time. So it's hard to, you know, keep things straight. Uh, yeah, I think that's okay. He's getting uh, he's he's getting a little more hardened as well. So it seems contradictory though to what to what Carl wants. And, absolutely. Uh, you know, and that's sort of Rick's mo right now. He he's promised Carl that he would try to build this better future, which involves not killing everyone and you know not always fighting, but. And and I do believe he he sort of believes that, but at the same time, I feel like he's he believes it on a case by case basis, right? He does not have that attitude when it comes to Negan and the Saviors right now, and yeah. maybe he will someday, but at this point, not so much. 
Yeah, I don't. Well, I guess what I'm saying is I don't necessarily believe him. He might believe himself, but mm-hmm. I don't believe him. Oh, that he may actually deep down care about the innocent people, whether he thinks he does or not. That's right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought he was a little bit all over the place, but I can see how his his vision is clouded a little bit by by his hatred towards Negan and and all those people. Yeah. Um, well, once he once those people are killed. Then he'll start caring about people. It's just, it's those particular people that he needs murdered. Right, right, of course. Um, now, in the next scene kind of expands on this a little bit because we see Rick leaving in an SUV. So he did not hang around very long. He sort of showed oh, up. Visit his daughter, visit a grave, get the fuck out of there. Absolutely. He is gone same day. Like he is in and out. And we see Maggie and Rosita up on the wall. Uh, Maggie is wondering if Rick can come back from this because she obviously recognizes that he is sort of suffering right now, not in his right mind. But Rosita says they all just keep going. And Rosita also says that it'll be harder when this is all over, meaning it will be sort of time to grieve then, I think. And they'll realize that it'll be harder to sort of get over these things once once they are through this conflict with the the saviors. Yeah. Um, so I think you're right. Like Rick can't really see straight right now. He's kind of laser focused on killing Negan and getting rid of the saviors. But once that's taken care of, if he is still alive, then then he will have a moment to reflect and sort of realize or decide on what his next steps are, I think. Yeah. And if life has uh, taught me anything mm-hmm. and my experience means anything, that as soon as this crisis is over, something else is going to come up. Like. Yeah. You, you think, oh, I just need to get through this next these next two weeks, and uh, then I can coast for a little while, because uh, you know I have a lot of work to do, I have a lot of stuff to do at home. I just need to buckle down and get through this time, and then everything will be relaxing then, and then I can relax. But no, nope. never. So rarely happens. It just something else comes up, and you're just go 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 go. That's the way life is, man. That's certainly my life is like that. I I sometimes think I've got a busy week coming up. But the week after that's going to be great because I'll do all the work now. And then the week after that is just as busy, if not busier. So, yeah. As soon as this podcast is done, I'm going to go get on a plane. Right. And then, for you'll, example, and then you'll get there and then you'll have some time to relax. But no, <laughs> no, I won't have time to relax. Once I get back and we record Thursday night, maybe Friday, I can relax just a little bit. You, you maybe do like 2% relaxing on Friday, maybe three. Um, Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to put a number on it, but uh, I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, it's just basically, you know, shit happens all the time. Don't worry, Jason's boss. He won't be relaxing on Friday. He'll be putting in 100% effort. No, no, I can work and still be relaxed instead of having to, you know, travel all the time and and work while traveling and then going from one hotel. I have three nights I'm going to be away and I'm going to be staying in three different hotels. You have to move around. Oh, well, you can tell me about that later, but you have to move around? Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Yeah, that's going to be fun. No wonder. It's going to be fun. No wonder there's no relaxing. Yeah. Uh, anyways, before this scene ends, we've got, uh, Rosita says it'll be harder when this is all over, but Maggie says no, not for her, not if Negan is dead. So she's saying, like, if Negan's dead, that's all I want and everything, you know, it's not going to be harder. Things are going to be better then. Yeah, take a big, deep breath when you get revenge. Except that that's probably not true. Yeah, revenge is not a very good thing to achieve or uh, strive for. Right. Uh, You know, if you're setting out for revenge, first thing you do is dig two graves. There you go. And uh, I hope that doesn't happen with Maggie. 
She's looking out over the wall, though, through a pair of binoculars, and she sees some kind of strange milk crate-looking thing with a flag or something in it and wonders, what could that be? I thought it was a Mylar balloon. Oh, maybe it's a balloon. I, I don't know. It It is a milk crate, though, right? Two milk crates, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, some sort of marker out there. and uh, I don't know. Maybe it was floating around in the balloon and it just kind of landed. I thought maybe, uh, you know, it was a, a weather balloon that had, uh, you know, weather sensing equipment. I didn't know what it was. Okay. Well, we don't know what it is, but it's something and it caught her attention. It Yes. Okay. Uh, before we get any more about that, we go to the saviors on the road. They are on their way here, I guess, to Hilltop and Dwight and Simon are talking. Simon wants to know what Dwight thinks of the current plan. And he basically says it's a good opportunity to close. He calls it, which I guess is just finish off this conflict that they're having. But Simon, as we know, is questioning if this is the right course. Uh, he still doubts that Rick's group will ever fall into line. And he says that they just don't scare. We, we've we tried to scare these people into working for us, but it hasn't worked. Yeah, very... Uh, see, Simon spends some time thinking, right? Yeah, he does. A lot of time talking, too. But I guess he's a thinker a little bit more than Negan, maybe. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, if he... Uh, engineered getting uh, Dwight into this this truck with him. Uh, he's got a plan. Like he's not in. He's no dummy. He's not a dummy, uh, and he definitely has a difference of opinion when it comes to the the Negan plan. Here, he's he sees things a different way, right? He's sort of going, "We've tried to save these people. It hasn't worked, and I don't think this is going to work either. So it's time to cut our losses, move on to something else." Yeah, there's only one thing left to wrap up before they do that, but that'll come out later. Sure, and but he's trying to get Dwight sort of on board with him, right? Because he can't right. be the only one. Yeah, because Dwight's uh, Dwight's a good guy. Sure, these guys could get along. Yeah, they can solve crimes. It'll be fun. <laughs> the Dwight and Simon show. Yeah, we go back over to the hilltop. We are outside. Rosita, Maggie, Michonne, and Enid have gathered up a few of these milk crate uh, flag thingies. And there is a letter with one that says they should fill the crate crates with records, as in like vinyl music records, in exchange for a key to the future. Oh, so they're not milk crates. They're not? They're record no, crates. No, because they changed in the 80s, they changed the size of milk crates so that they wouldn't fit records anymore. Because people were taking all the milk crates and putting their records in them. So they changed the size of milk crates so they wouldn't work anymore. So then in the 90s and later, or the 2000s or whatever, the aughts, uh, whatever you call them, uh, they started making these crates that did fit albums and selling them. Nobody uses milk crates anymore, really. Well, they do, but they're not, they don't fit albums where you have to buy these special crates in order to fit records. Interesting. From what I believe. Okay. Well, from what I remember that they, uh, they no longer fit actual vinyl. It's an interesting story. So they're vinyl crates then. And, uh, yeah, you can get them at Ikea or, you know, sure. Various places. You can probably get them at like the grocery store now. Well, hey. I could use some because I have an old, an old record collection that I'm trying to pack up and actually get rid of some of it. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. We have to talk cause, uh, I have a record player that I barely use. Well, I have a record player that I barely use and that's partly why I'm trying to get rid of a lot of this stuff. Uh, a lot of it is from a previous generation. And, uh, of, of family member is what I mean. And Ain't nothing so, wrong with that. No, I know, but I just don't want it anymore hanging around the house. So anyways. Oh, you know what happened to me? I went into, uh, I went into a record store the other day and you know what I saw? 
your album that you released in the 90s? No, fucking records. Oh, yeah, they're they're making like, a massive comeback. Yeah, like in the mall. Like I'm talking about just your everyday mall record store. Yeah. Friggin' vinyl. I'm yeah. like, holy friggin' shit. They're kind of a big deal, but that's what whoever put these things on the show is looking for. They want music vinyl albums. Uh, so, and also on the note, apparently, is coordinates for a meeting place. So they have somewhere right. to go to bring the records. Now, the women standing around, they realize that this isn't the saviors because this is too kind of subtle a move for them and what would be the point. So they debate whether they should do any, anything and ultimately they decide to go because they are so low on food and they figure this might be an opportunity to get some supplies that they need. Uh, first, though, we cut over to Rick. He is outside, of course. He's sitting on the top of his car listening to the Savior's walkie that he has. And he sees them driving by. And it looks like goes to honk his horn, but then notices Negan in the trailing vehicle all by himself. So Rick changes his mind, gets in the car, and decides to follow them. So I'm not sure exactly what the original idea here was, but it looks like he was trying to honk the horn maybe to get their attention or distract them or something, but having Negan in a car by himself, he changes his plan. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I was hoping you could help me understand why Rick may want to have honked the horn, but he obviously decided against it and uh, decided to go after Negan in the trailing vehicle, which is also a dumb thing. Negan's not very smart. He should have been in the middle somewhere or right. at the front. Well, you'd think not, Probably the, not at the front, but in the middle. Right, no, you, you put the leader in the middle, right? protect him. Yeah. When there's a presidential motorcade flying through whatever town they're going through, uh, you know, he's not in the trailing vehicle. He's not in the front car. He's not in the rear car. And in fact, I think there's probably two or three identical cars in the middle and you don't know which one he's in. You, yeah. you, you move them around too, right? So you're right. You put the most important man in the center, hidden in some way. Somewhere that can, uh, that he can be protected. Exactly. Well, and do you not, know the president flies around like those cars fly with him wherever he goes? Yeah, I know. I know. Just just any presidential trip involves like 300 people going and it costs millions and millions of dollars every time he goes somewhere. Yeah. Brings his own vehicles, ev own everything. Fancy. It is quite fancy. So anyways, Rick decides to follow them. We go to commercial break and we, when we come back, we're with the saviors. They're coming through a town and Rick comes out of nowhere through from an alley and T-bones Negan's vehicle. Uh-huh. But he shoots him off course. Shoots him off course, basically. He doesn't completely disable the vehicle for now, uh, but he chases him for a while uh, while Dwight and Simon try to figure out what to do because they see that this has happened. Okay, a couple things. Before we move off this chase. Okay. A couple things that, uh, that struck me here. One is... Uh, for crying out loud, we got a car chase in The Walking Dead. It's the second one this season. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is the music was very reminiscent of a police <laughs> siren. Did you notice that? Yes. We have people in the holy crap talking about that. Jeez. That was very disappointing for me. You think so? He, I, Rick is a cop. Come on, I know he's a cop, but really police sirens, that's almost as bad as uh, making a big massive turn on a dirt road and tires squealing. Well, that's worse because that's supposed to be an actual sound effect where a, the score can represent oh, something come else. come on. That was supposed to be a sound effect hidden within the score. Okay, well, it was supposed to be reminiscent of a police chase. 
Okay, well, I didn't hear it, but you're certainly not the only one that did. Yeah. Okay, that's it. We can move on from the chase. <laughs> okay. Well, Dwight and Simon are trying to figure out what to do. So Simon positions his truck kind of blocking an alley at one end and, and gets out. All the rest of the saviors are there. He he tells the rest of them what happened and says that he and Dwight are going to go check it out. Now, they all sort of want to come and do something, but Simon, I think rightly so, tells them that this might be a ploy to get them separated or at least get them off of their primary objective, which it yeah. has. It, it, it has worked. But he says, everybody else stay here, hold this location. Dwight and I are going to go figure out what's going on. Yeah, this might be a this might be some kind of ambush. So we're gonna go check it out. You guys all stay bunched up right here, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Okay, don't put anybody on the roofs of the buildings to have a look at or anything. You just stay in this alley right here, all bunched up. We'll be back in a minute. I, I get your point, but I, I I think Simon's head is in the right place. The execution may not have been perfect. Um, and I also think that there might just be the understanding because he tells them to something like push back on anything that comes in here. Right. So hold this location secure. I think the understanding is that they're going to spread out a little bit and maintain the security of that location, whether he said it or not. But they didn't look like it. And when they get back, yeah. it didn't look like they spread out at all. Kind of looked like I mean, they were even just- the three stooges would, uh, get into, you know, Mo would slap Curly and, uh, Larry. No. Curly and... Yeah, Curly, Larry, and Mo. Okay, Curly and Larry, he would slap them and say, spread out. Right. You know? Well... Because you know, that, that's a military thing, and it's a, uh, you, you spread out, because if you clump up, you're an easy target. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I agree with you. They, it doesn't look like they did anything other than stand around while they were waiting. Um, but I, but I do think Simon had the right idea. It's like, if, if we all go off on our separate ways, then we're all in little groups, not really, not really holding any location. And if there are enemies out there, they'll just start picking us off. Yeah. Secure this location, put some people on the rooftops, go, you know, scout out the other buildings, make sure everything's nice and safe. Right. And, uh, we'll be back later. Dig in. Dig in. Not just like stay here and, you know, uh cook a hot dog? I don't know what they would do. <laughs> Everybody hang out here, have some lunch, you know, make a campfire. Yeah. Chit chat. Someone like Dave brought his guitar, right? Sing some songs. <laughs> Dave's got his guitar yeah. and uh, Jimmy, instead of shotgun shells and his shotgun, has like four hot dogs in there. So uh, <laughs> you can cook some hot dogs. <laughs> Sorry, boss. I loaded hot dogs in the <laughs> rifle instead of shells. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> oh, you know, the saviors. <laughs> Well, uh, we cut over to Negan's rolled car, uh, and he's inside coming back to consciousness. Uh, Rick's car is nearby wrapped around a pole. So there was some sort of accident here that we did not see. They chased each other for a while and ended up in a big wreck. Both of them. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Rick gets out and he is shooting. He is just shooting his weapon at the bottom side of Negan's car, which is rolled over and facing him. Uh, Negan gets out, runs into a nearby doorway. Rick is shooting, but misses. Uh, Rick runs in to follow him and almost takes a Lucille swing to the forehead because Negan's waiting for him right inside the door. Did you notice that Rick walked past two zombies? Like he just almost ignored them. Like there was two zombies between him and the door and he just kind of walked around them. Yeah. The ones that are outside, right? He, he was yeah. not interested in them at all. He was going after Negan at this point. Yeah. So zombies are definitely not a threat to Rick anymore. 
He barely even notices them. Well, true. He barely even notices them. I think under normal circumstances, he would have been a little bit more careful, but I think he felt like he had an opportunity here, right? He's going after Negan. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, that the, the threat of the zombies in a show called the walking dead has been minimized to the point where Rick just kind of walks around them without any, you know, adverse ramifications at all. Yeah. Barely even sees them at all. And I do think in a, in a few minutes we're going to get more of that, but, uh, he, Rick runs through the door, Negan swings, but Rick is able to duck under the bat and, uh, they, you know, fight a little bit, but then Negan goes and runs up some stairs. Rick tries to shoot again. He's out of bullets. And it's this interesting kind of stairwell hallway kind of where the stairs go up, but you could also fall down from the second floor if you weren't careful, uh, especially if there was no railing, which there is. But Rick pulls out his axe and he throws the axe up at Negan, who dives out of the way, but ends up crashing through the railing and hanging off the second floor and has dropped Lucille down to the basement floor because there's a big hole. Right. Into the abyss. Into the darkness below. That's right. So Rick goes up there, he grabs his axe, which is embedded into the wall after his amazing axe throw, and he tries to chop Negan's hands, but he lets go, and then Negan falls down into the darkness below as well. Yeah, into the abyss. Into Just like, the abyss. Uh, what was it, General Zod in uh, the end of Spider-Man, or Spider-Man, Superman 2, where they fell into the abyss when uh, Superman killed them? Um, weren't they... Weren't they banished to like the Phantom Zone or something? Yeah, but that's it? that's where they were, they were banished there, and then they got out of that uh-huh. to wreak havoc on Earth, right? The three of them, and then at the end, Superman actually uh, gets them into f- the Fortress of Solitude, and then so- for some reason they fall through a smoke into uh, okay. Fortress of Solitude abyss and uh, are dead, I, I suppose, because they're no longer a problem. Been a while. I'm I'm forgetting the details of the old Superman movies the Richard Donner movie. Anyways, maybe I'll take your word for it. Yeah. It's just, it just reminded me of General Zod. Sure. So Negan and Lucille have fallen into the darkness, the dark abyss below. Um, after a commercial break, we are with Maggie and her crew at the meeting place. And her crew of course is still Michonne, Enid and Rosita. They encounter three people who introduce themselves as Georgia or Georgie, their leader, Hilda and Midge. Nice. And Maggie doesn't trust any of them, of course. So Rosita sneaks up from behind and now they're sort of surrounded. They take their weapons and pat them down. Um, and Maggie just wants to take their stuff. But Georgie says they have knowledge to trade. Yeah. And they're in like this awesome souped up van. They do Did have you a, noticed a van. That van was freaking wicked. They do have a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool van. Yeah. It's a they bit just of needed, a, uh, uh, on the side of it, they just needed a painting of a wizard holding a tiger, like the, uh, the, the, the reins of a tiger. A little bit of a cross between a, a team van and the mystery machine, I would say. <sighs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Only all black, which made it I even want cooler. The, I want this van is essentially what this whole thing boils down to is that van looks awesome. Yeah. It looks like it would be a colossal pain in the ass to get into uh, or out of without injuring yourself. But I th- still think that it would be most excellent to drive around in. Pretty cool van. Yes. Um, so Georgie says that they haven't found a community for a long time. And she suggests that, uh, you know, people need to believe in people again, that the sort of bad nature of humanity has been coming out 
of most people for a long time now. And she's trying to do something about that. She says they need to trust them. Um, but Enid says there's no way people can survive trading things this long for just for knowledge. Uh, and Maggie decides to bring them back to the hilltop. So out of nowhere, I feel like we have these new characters showing up with, um, you know, it, it just feels like they're, they're doing really well. Like they don't seem starving. They don't seem desperate. They don't. They look like they're well-clothed, happy people. There was even a joke in the middle where about making up words, and one of them <laughs> provides the word moisture as an example yeah, of, a, of yeah. a word that's made up. So, Well, you know what? All words are made up. I guess really. so. At some point. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> can't, hold that, made up? can't hold that against her. Yeah. Um, but just uh, out of nowhere, I feel like these these new characters is not something I was expecting right in the middle of this apparent war that they're having with the saviors. Well, I wouldn't, I didn't, now that you mention it like that, like you say it like that, out of nowhere, it kind of feels like that. But for me, uh, it was justified uh, because didn't Rick and the gang do exactly that in a number of places? Like just show up and say, Hey, we're, we're us. And they did that with the friggin' sanctuary or, uh, um, sanctuary. Alexandria, not really. Alexandria. I mean, yeah. They just kind of showed up there. Well, but Aaron right? recruited them, right? Aaron found them and brought them over. Yeah. I, 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 I think this kind of thing happens all the time. And as far as, uh, you know, well-clothed and happy and well-fed, it's a lot easier to keep three people, uh, well-fed and happy while scavenging than uh, than a whole community. Sure, but I, I think, I, I guess so. But the implication is here, these people are from some other group, right? There's, there is another community somewhere. I would think so. Yeah. I, I, I just mean, not, not, not so much in story that it's, that it feels weird out of nowhere, just a little bit in terms of the show, right? We, we have all, we have a lot going on already. We have yeah. the sanctuary, we've got Jadis, although Jadis is sort of wrapped up things a little bit. All her people are dead. We've got, um, Hilltop. We don't know what Jesus is doing. We've got Aaron over at the, uh, ocean side, a lot going on. And if I feel like a fair number of things to wrap up, but they're introducing something new here that we don't really know anything about. And I mean, it works if this was real life, you know, things happen when they happen, you can't control it. So it, that's okay. It's just, I don't know. I was surprised to see new mystery characters all of a sudden at this point. I think the show is prepping us for moving on from All Out War. Oh, 100%. I agree with that. I think they're they're setting up whatever's coming next, right? Yeah. So I didn't really get the feeling that it was out of nowhere. I just thought it was, uh, I thought it was weird that another group shows up and they happen to know a lot about the Hilltop, mm-hmm. right? So they're obviously, they're super spies, uh, being yeah. able to, you know, discern information about the Hilltop, even though they have, you know, nobody knows who they are. Right. Yeah. They've been, it seems like they've been around for a while watching them. Right. And they know they have records for some reason. Or they just assume everybody has records. They could be just going on the assumption. Yeah. Well, why the hell would a group of people trying to survive the zombie apocalypse collect records? Not, not the, not Georgie and them. I, they're fine. They're asking for records. I'm talking about the hilltop people. Like, uh, if somebody came to me during the zombie apocalypse and said, we're looking for records. Give us a bunch of, you know, a couple of crates of records and we'll give you some information. It was like, I don't have any fucking records. What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> I'm looking for ammo here. I'm not collecting vinyl. No, sure. But don't forget the, um, 
the hilltop is some kind i you know i forget its name right now but it was some sort of historical building right maybe it's a known um maybe there's a known archive collection of records there and these these people georgie and them were like well they must still have them and we need music so let's offer something for their music that's dumb I mean, if somebody had asked me for vinyl and I was in that situation, I'd be like, you know what? That sounds like a great deal, but I'm going to have to go find it because I haven't been, like, noting where it is. Right. Like, I'm sure there's lots of vinyl around here, but if you're just wandering around looking for vinyl, why come to us? Why not just look in the houses? That's what I got to do. I got to go look in the houses for friggin' records now to give you... Why don't you just... Go find your own goddamn vinyl and give me the key that you want to give me anyway, because obviously you're willing to barter it for bullshit. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Anyways, they want the vinyl and they have this important knowledge to trade, but we don't know much about that yet. Yeah. So we'll find out. First, we go back to Rick and Negan. They're wandering around in the dark now, kind of talking to each other. They don't know where each other is or are. (laughs) And Negan is searching for Lucille. And they're kind of just taunting each other, right? Rick says that Negan is going to die alone in the dark. And Negan starts yelling back, questioning why Rick won't just let him save him. He says everybody was doing just fine until Rick Grimes showed up, uh, you know, giving him a hard time about that. Uh, Rick has a lighter and he lights it and he finds a boarded up door that says eaters on it. Nice. So don't go in there. It's full of eaters. Uh, Negan offers a deal. He says, get Hilltop and everybody else to fall in line and he'll forgive Rick. He's all, he said he'll also lower his take to 25% and Rick has to come work for him starting in janitorial, but he'll move. He has, he has, uh, advancement opportunities very quickly. Nice. So I wonder what the salary is. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Rick says, of course, he won't trust any deal that Negan offers after what he did to Jadis's people. Yeah. Rick, of course, assumes that the saviors killed them all, but Negan realizes that Simon has lied to him. So Yeah, which is, uh, I was wondering how long that this would take for, uh, for Negan to find out, and I guess the answer is not very long. Not very long. And I think Simon is going to pay the price for this uh, deceit. Well, what the hell was Simon thinking? Was, was he idea. thinking that Negan would not find out? Come on. No, there's well, no Negan way. Negan is an idiot and Simon's not. So maybe Simon was thinking, you know, he's an idiot and I rarely get caught for anything. So I'm going to do it and lie to him about it. Lie to him about it. Well, his luck has run out because now Negan knows. And when Negan knows something like this, it's not going to end well for Simon, I don't think. Well, if experience has taught me anything, when you're dealing with someone you assume is an idiot and you tell them a lie and then you get found out, it's best to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Have a backup lie ready. That's my experience on good advice for getting away with shit, is have a backup lie. Even if you don't use it, it was still worth having. Sure. Multiple layers of of lying. That's right. It's like lying inception. You got to keep it If you can blame someone else as well, that'd work. That's even better. (laughs) Yeah. Just uh, if you can't... uh, if you can't shift the uh, shift the lie into not getting caught, then uh, shift the blame. Perfect. Well, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, Rick, though, finds Lucille and picks her up. Oh, no. So Rick has the bat now, and Negan is not going to be happy about it. We go over to Simon and Dwight, though. Simon says that Dwight must have thought about killing Negan, considering what he did to his wife and his face. 
And uh, Dwight kind of gives him a sarcastic answer and then goes on to say that he thinks Negan is uh, Simon goes on to say that he thinks Negan is doing the wrong thing here. He says that if it was his call, they'd branch out and find new places and new relationships. Just move on from this crappy situation and find new ways to survive and I guess new people to save. So he's really trying to get Dwight on board, I think, here with this idea. He is. And uh, I have a question to ask about Simon in this situation. Sure. So there is, in this scene, when they're talking to each other, uh, Simon has uh, an assault rifle of some kind. Okay. And has his finger on the trigger, Mm -hmm. which drives me absolutely nuts when people do that. And he has the assault rifle pointed basically at Dwight's nuts. And I'm wondering... Is that on purpose or is he just practicing really bad discipline for his weapon? So you think maybe it's an intimidation thing, like point a gun at your crotch? Dwight and- doesn't notice and and Simon doesn't really do anything to make it. I, I think it was, uh, I think it's a continuity or not a continuity, but I think it's a an error in uh, the production. Lack of attention than, to detail, sort of. Yeah. Uh, but I'm thinking... Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Simon hedging his bets. Uh, and, you know, if uh, if Dwight didn't go the route that he wanted, he'd just pull the trigger and, uh, well, you know, that wouldn't be a kill shot, I would think, but it might, you know, distract Dwight enough. <laughs> I think si- I think Dwight might want to be dead. <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, he would definitely be thinking about other things while uh-huh. Simon takes the second shot to the head. Or well, makes the second shot to the head. Here's what I think. Um, I think normally you as a viewer, this would drive you crazy and you'd really want to complain about it. But because it's Simon, I think you're trying to, uh, make excuses for him. Okay. So I accept what you're saying. (laughs) I don't necessarily agree with it because I'm also dealing with the situation. Like Uh uh, what Simon is trying to do here is trying to lay his cards on the table without giving away too much at the beginning. He, uh, in the end, he lays his cards all out on all on the table to say, look, uh, I'm not trying to trick you here. Right. I'm trying to uh, come up with a different plan. Something's got to change. But during that phase of, uh, you know, uncertain mm-hmm. whether or not uh, Dwight's going to go one way or the other, that Simon may have been hedging his bets. So I'm, I'm, I agree with you that I probably would try and find a way to forgive Simon for this flagrant uh, trigger discipline issue, but also because of the situation, I'm thinking maybe, okay, maybe uh, it's just uh, Simon trying to make sure that he's safe well, during this discussion. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and think this was intentional, and uh, Simon knows exactly what he's doing. I, I, I'm okay with that. Now, Dwight, on the other hand, was also uh, also had his finger on the trigger and was waving around his weapon and pointing at himself <laughs> with it. So uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and let that go, too, uh-huh. because of this whole situation. Because if I start picking on Dwight and not Simon, then it kind of goes back to that, uh, I got to forgive Simon for everything he does because he's perfect and awesome. Sure. Well, so either there was a couple of guys in this scene who both were mishandling their weapons or... Or a couple of guys in this scene who both had ulterior motives and are geniuses for the way they were handling their weapons. Uh, nervous. Let's just go with nervous. Nervous. All right. Fair they were enough. nervous and therefore they were handling their weapons in order to try and be safe with each other by 
sure. being able to blow each other's heads off at a moment's notice. At a moment's notice. Well, or their or their own nuts. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. Yeah, they come to the car wreck though, where uh, Rick and Negan's cars are, and they don't find anybody, of course. Simon suggests that they could keep looking and maybe find Negan, or they could walk away and get back to their people and move on. And he says to Dwight, this is a critical point in our history. Either we stick with Negan or we turn around and do things my way. So Dwight answers by lighting up a cigarette and then flicking it at the car, which I guess has gasoline pooling all over the place. The car explodes into flame and Simon says, good answer. And they walk away. So yeah. uh, they I think Simon might have been coming on to Dwight here, too, because he said this is something we could tell our grandkids about. <laughs> yes, right? he, he does say that. That's right. I think he means that more in a historical perspective. But, you know, maybe they can adopt. Maybe. Yeah. Why not? Of course. Fine There's kids all over the place, apparently, that you can just find in a goddamn, you know, different various buildings. Yeah. They still haven't explained that shit. Maybe Gracie is Simon's daughter and he doesn't even know she's gone. Maybe. That's terrible. Or doesn't care. <laughs> well, anyways, the important thing here is Dwight, you know, not probably being genuine because he's not really on uh, Simon's side anymore, regardless of what Simon is going to do. He I dis- don't know. Maybe Simon's on his side now. Maybe he can say, yeah, that's a good idea. We should just move on. But it's, it's a whole other group of people here that seem to be really nice. Let's go. Uh, let's go hang out with them. Hang out with them and, you know, make uh, turnips. Yeah, okay. I suppose it could go either way, really. But uh, for now, we have to think that that Dwight is at least playing along with Simon. Yes. For what he wants to do. Uh, But pretty good, pretty good scene. Um, I think it was clever how he decided to light the car on fire instead of saying, okay, let's go. You're the boss now. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, when you can answer a question with blowing something up, I advise doing so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We go back to the hilltop. Maggie is getting briefed by Jerry. uh, And then Michonne comes in and she says she wants to make a deal with Georgie. But Maggie initially says, nope. Enid is there and she agrees uh, and says that uh, if they, if they don't take their stuff, somebody else will, you know, you, you can't just work things out. And so why not kill them and put their stuff to good use? Enid's, uh, you know, She's uh, taken that route here. But Michonne says Carl was brave, and now they have a doctor. But Enid reminds her that he's also dead. Yeah, very dead. Trying to help someone. Enid leaves uh, after Michonne kind of tells her to step back because she's getting a little too uppity in her face. And then Michonne says to Maggie that they can't give up on what Carl wanted them to be. They can't just fight. They can't just kill people. They have to try and work together and live with each other. That's that's where Michonne's coming from at this point. Back with Rick and Negan, they're talking in the dark again, and uh, Rick says that sooner or later the saviors were going to run into somebody like him, and uh, you know Negan's plan was always going to fail eventually because he doesn't care about people. So here we go, Rick, now saying you got to care about people, you have to treat them nicely. Um, them, not you. Them. Like, I, I got to treat people nicely. Not and, you. Uh, you're not people. No, exactly. As he's talking, he lights Lucille on fire. And so now we have flaming Lucille. And uh-huh. he starts hitting the eater's door. 
And as he's crashing that, or hitting that door with the bat, Negan comes running out of the darkness, tackles him, and they crash through the door together. Have you ever lit a bat on fire? No, I have not. I don't think you can. Well, it was, I don't know, it was coated in zombie guts. Was it? Was there anything else there to uh, get a fire, help to get a fire going? Nope. Barbed wire. That doesn't burn easily. No, it does not. You need kindling, like... Uh, a baseball bat's made out of hardwood, right? It's not like made out of pine. No. <laughs> right? A balsa wood baseball bat wouldn't be very effective. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, I've held a few baseball bats in my life, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's hardwood. You can't just light a stick of hardwood on fire. Well, there like, must- it just doesn't light up. And you've had a fireplace in your house. Yeah. You know that you can't just throw a piece of hardwood in there and no, throw no. a match at it and expect you have a blazing fire. Every time I try to burn baseball bats in my fireplace, it doesn't work. Yeah. That's probably a bad idea too, because there, you know, there's resin and stuff I they know. put in them. I don't anyway. actually do that. Uh, so, yeah, you can't just light a baseball bat on fire. I just think there was maybe he ha- it was coated in something that aided in the burning, like it got gas all over it when the car crashed or something. I don't know. Uh, well, well, I also had an issue with the c- cigarette lighting the car on fire because gasoline doesn't burn like that. Uh, it's the fumes. It's not the the pool of gasoline liquid. It's the fumes that burn, right? And eventually, the fumes are all going to burn off. Uh, no, even if you dip a, uh, I have a problem with torches in movies in general. It seems way too easy. I know. It's way too easy. If you just dip something in gasoline, don't try this, but try this. Dip something in gasoline and then uh, like a baseball bat and then let it on fire. It's going to flame for a little bit while the gasoline burns off, but then it's just going to stop. Yeah. Don't try that. Just yeah, don't, don't try take that. Take our word for it. <laughs> well, I mean, empirical evidence is always good right all right don't try it right you're right it's hard to light things on fire but rick manages to do it so we have flaming lucille they crash through the door together when we come back from a commercial break the two of them are fighting there are zombies around or eaters i guess in this case in that room rick is swinging and he's hitting stuff and lighting other stuff on fire zombies are now on fire and negan is clearly very angry that rick is using lucille because nobody gets to use Lucille but him. And they kind of have to fight each other and the zombies at the same time, and it's dark and stuff's on fire, so it was pretty exciting. They continue to wrestle around a bit, and eventually Negan gets Lucille back, which uh, is because Rick dropped her at one point. And Negan goes out a window, and then Rick follows soon after, after killing a few more walkers. But outside, Negan is gone gone so they fight rick failed to kill him again and or even injure him really and negan escapes so was rick out of ammo he was out of ammo because he had the python he was out of ammo when they were in the stairwell earlier i guess he didn't have any more so all he had was lucille and couldn't get the job done okay yeah because he could have just shot him if he had any ammo He did. He could have, but I don't think he did. So they had to fight and the zombies were around. So you're kind of fighting them off at the same time. I get it. It's a difficult situation. But once again, Rick failed to take out Negan when he had a, what seemed like a pretty good chance. The important thing here is he wanted to kill him. He wanted to kill him. That's right. That's a very big distinction that we've missed up until now, until this point, when they get together, for some reason, Rick doesn't want to kill him. Right. This time. Rick wanted to kill him. After his son's telling him, maybe you shouldn't kill him, finally Rick wants to do it. That's right. Okay. Well, he 
wanted to. He tried and he failed. Negan got away. Yeah. Back at the hilltop, Maggie has changed her mind and she comes out with a crate full of records and tells Georgie she has a deal. And Georgie not only is going to provide the key to their future, but also a large portion of food because she's looked around Hilltop and realized that they are not in good shape. People are starting to suffer, so they need food. And Georgie says that she'll be back, maybe not for a while, but when she does, she expects big things. That's right. And those big things are uh, the kind of things that Maggie and everyone at Hilltop are going to learn from this book she gives her. She says it's a book full of medieval human achievement, things like windmills, watermills, silos, techniques for refining grain, things like that. And the book is called A Key to a Future, and it's subtitled Being a Guide to the Machinery, Techniques, Tasks, Travails, and Solutions Employed by Early Civilizations to Recent Times. Let this be the path forward from the past to a more advanced now. What's a travail? Uh, just the process you have to go through to get something done. Work. Is that a word? That's not a word. It's a word. Did uh, you know this word before today? Well, I know the word, but I did look it up to make sure. All right. I actually looked it up to make sure I knew how to pronounce it. <laughs> Tra travails? Travails? <laughs> so that's what okay. it is. Huh, that's a word. It is. I learned something today. Fantastic. Look at you. Good for you. Well, what do you think about this book? I mean, they're just handing over this book of basically how to do anything you would need to start a community that is a civilized group of people. That's really nice of them. It is really nice of them. To me, this really implies that wherever Georgie and Hilda and Midge are from is some sort of much bigger community that has begun the process of, you know, re-civilizing this world with what's left. Could be. You know, I don't know. We don't know. And, and, we might not find out for a while because she says we'll be back, but not for a while. We're going to give you some time to get your shit together, start building windmills, grain silos, all these kinds of things that you need to have a bigger successful community. So I'm curious isn't about this, them. Uh, isn't this a plot of like a sci-fi movie? Aliens show up, say, here's some shit. We'll be back. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't, don't want to spoil anything, but yes. It's the plot of a sci uh, multiple sci-fi movies. I can think of one recently uh -huh. where aliens show up and go, you know what? Here's a book of shit. We'll see you in a couple thousand years. And uh, we're expecting you to, you know, know your shit by then. Yeah, yeah. Get your crap together. Like, get into the modern age or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, we do have aliens. Maybe we do. Maybe Georgie and them are, are from another uh, another planet. Yeah, they got a they got a far out truck. That's for sure. They sure do. <laughs> uh, anyways, they they load up in their awesome van and they drive out a hilltop. Enid tells Michonne about how she killed Natanya. They're up on the wall talking, and she says that she killed somebody and she's alive, but Carl saved somebody and he's dead. And are they supposed to just stop fighting, right? And and try to work with everybody. And Michonne says that Carl meant that getting to their future, uh, getting to their future will take more fighting, but not, that's not the only thing they do. They, they have to try and work with people as well. Yeah. Um, we cut over to Simon and Dwight. They're coming back to their group of saviors. They say Negan is gone and Simon makes one of them do the whole, I am Negan thing. But he says their plan was to go to Hilltop and put the fear of God into them now, the only thing left for them to do is expunge people. Yeah. Kill them all. 
Yeah, he calls them. Don't a just mis- leave He's- like he said he wanted to do. We have to kill everybody first, and then we can leave. That's right. He says um, he calls them a mistake. They will erase, and then they'll move on. So their plan now with Simon at the wheel is to go to Hilltop and essentially wipe them out and then move on to something better. That strikes me as a waste of time. Like even like just objectively, why? Because if they leave them there, they're always a threat, right? The Hilltop people are just going to stew and get angrier and then eventually attack why would them they, anyways. Why would they get angrier? If they're just left alone. Well, because what? of what they've done to them so far. Well, they... It's not like uh, there's a tracking device. It just, you bugger off. You go someplace far away, it'll be, sure, it'll be 100 years before their group finds your group, but by then, who gives a flying sandwich? Well, I, you know. I, I substituted the word there for a swear, so I didn't have to. I don't know why. I understand. They don't give a flying sandwich, but, like, yeah. I don't, I think they want to go home to the sanctuary and, like, stay there. So Hilltop knows where they are. No, but he was talking to Dwight and saying, let's go someplace else. Well, I think, I, I don't think he means physically go someplace else i think he means let's like let's change direction instead of worrying about these idiots let's go back home and find other communities and worry about the them right i don't think he means yeah. actually physically leave they should leave maybe they should why leave. not why why stay here why like what's the point after you kill everybody in all the neighboring communities that normally would support you you either have to move into their communities yeah and use them to support yourselves or get the flying salmon cheese out of here and get the <laughs> go find someplace else to to hang out. The flying Sam and cheese. I'm not <laughs> even sure what that means. Anyways, no, I see your point. Like, uh, they've kind of burned all their bridges around this neighborhood, so maybe they yeah. should move to a new one. Yeah, it just it strikes me as odd that uh, a complete waste of time and uh, bullets and potentially people. Yeah, no, you're to right. Do this. You're just, right. Just go. Like, well, what's the point? Well, anyways, I mean, I suppose... They're, they're so ingrained in their location that is overrun by zombies, or was, uh, like, there's other places. Yeah, I'm sure. Simon, I think, is also just in a bit of a murderous rage, and he wants to take these people out before they either go home or, or move on, whatever. He, he feels like erasing all these people is the first step to whatever they have to do. Colorado, that's the place to go, by the way. Okay. Like none of this, you know, down in the desert or in wide open plains or go to the mountains. Hide in go the mountains. find yourself, go find yourself someplace in the mountains and uh, fortify. Yeah, I could see that. It's a bit of a trek, but sounds like a good place to go. Whatever. They got trucks. Yeah, of course. They got all kinds of vehicles. Anyways, uh, we got one more scene before the end of the episode here, and we cut to Negan, who is in the passenger seat of a car. We can't see, see who's driving until he wakes up. And we find out that it's Jadis driving the car with a gun to his head. And uh, he sort of smiles. She pistol whips him. And the end. Cut to black. She's got her finger on the trigger. But I think she means it. I think she means it. Yes. She needs to be able to pull that trigger quickly or squeeze that trigger if she needs to. So I guess Negan jumped out that window, ran away, and Jadis picked him up. (laughs) And Yeah. Like, was he asleep at the time? Like. Did he crawl into this car and then go to sleep? Like, how did he not know that Jadis uh, is driving him? It like does she... seem a little odd. Like, what happened? Did she did she knock him unconscious and then put him in the car, and then drove until he 
regain consciousness consciousness and she's like thinking what are you doing up and then put him unconscious again or did he crawl into the car and fall asleep and she just got in the car and started driving it could have been either of those things but you're right it did not seem like he knew she was there so she snuck up behind him knocked him out and put him in the car maybe uh, who knows who knows why put him in the front seat in that case why not tie him up and stick him in the trunk um right? yeah no you're right i mean it's only her so she has to drive so maybe she didn't have but anything to tie him up with. And so she she can't put him in the backseat because she's vulnerable then. So she lives in a junkyard. Find some rope. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, it just strikes me as weird. It like is weird. It's just a weird situation. Why, you know, why put, why be in a situation where he could get the upper hand at some point, especially if you're pointing a gun at somebody at very, very close range Yeah, to the head. That's a very precarious situation for someone with a handgun. Yeah. Because uh, that head's a moving target at the best case scenario. Yep. Totally. So I agree. I'm up, stick him in the trunk. I think the whole thing, I think it's it's weird how he didn't seem to know who he was in the car with. I think it's weird that Negan is now with Jadis and in any case. I just think the whole thing is is strange and I am very curious to see where it goes, but it's it's a turn of events I did not see coming. You know what I mean? I figured Rick... You know, when he was sitting there in the car, side of the car, falling asleep, I thought that maybe Rick was driving. I'm like, oh, Rick got him. Yeah, that uh, it would have made more sense, to be honest. Like, how far could Negan have got when he jumped out that window? Rick was Rick followed him within seconds, I, I feel like. I don't know. Some people are very slippery. Well, he must I be. remember playing hide-and-seek with my brother uh, when we were young, and that fucker could hide. Like, he was gone in a flash, and you never found him. Right. Well... Negan must be really good at hide and seek. Zombie My brother's a ninja. Be, yeah. So, uh, yeah, people can really, really, really get out of the way and hide. Yeah. And you can, and you don't necessarily, they'll ever find them. Well, I, I think. I still don't know where he is. <laughs> He's still hiding somewhere. <laughs> Never found the guy. Haven't seen him since. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> well, I, I just think it was a strange uh, turn of events anyways, but um, we'll have to see where it goes. Um, overall, I like this episode. I thought it was pretty good, and it it felt a little bit like it was treading some of the same ground, but um, it expanded on some things. You know, we really understand what Simon is is wanting to do now, and it was interesting to see him trying to recruit Dwight. I thought, uh, I thought the the fight between Rick and Negan was pretty entertaining. You know, good yep. fight in the dark with a flaming baseball bat and a bunch of zombies around. That's okay. And the stuff going on at Hilltop, I mean, they're sort of just trying to get by at this point and prepare. And then these new people show up who I am surprised about, but I am very curious about as well. So it was okay. Um, I, uh, I, I like this. I think there was enough in this episode to really keep me going. I'm, I wonder when we're going to see them again, though. Like, will it be this season? Will it be next season? Will it be sometime even beyond that? Oh no! It'll be uh, it'll be next season. Yeah. It'll be after uh, all out war wraps up, which in theory is going to wrap up in the next four episodes of season eight. I would assume. Okay. Well, cool. Um, I also really enjoyed how um, it was all women. It was it was Michonne, Enid, Maggie, and Rosita, and then they meet up with Midge and Georgie and uh, who's the other one? Blanche. Something like that? Blanche. <laughs> no, it was, uh, uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name right now. I think I Doesn't matter. Her. Yeah. So just seeing them all doing stuff, I think it was great. Again, I love watching Maggie 
lead this group. And I think she does a great job. And um, to to have her mind be changed, you know, by by Michonne, uh, I think is really great. It shows she's flexible and just doing a great job. So overall, really, really enjoyed this episode. Maybe not quite as much as last week's, but last week's, I think. Uh, two weeks ago. Or two weeks ago. Sorry. Yeah. Two weeks ago was w- one of the best, if not the best one of season eight. But they uh, they pulled it off here. What do you think of this? I, li- I like this episode, too. I thought it was a, a solid effort. It was, you know, few, few small little things, but there always is. I mean, I could watch a show I really like. I do watch a show I really like, and I always find little things. Of course. Nothing's perfect for me because I'm a picky son of a bitch. Sure. But, uh, yeah, overall, I really I really enjoyed this episode. I liked, uh, I liked the whole uh, Dwight-Simon uh, interaction. I liked the Rick and Negan interaction. I liked the, the Maggie and um, uh, Jordy. Georgie. Georgie. Mm-hmm. I, there's a dog next door named Jordy. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and of course you equate this woman with the dog. <laughs> well, I, it's the dog's a girl. So Jordy, the girl, Georgie, the girl. Right. This is <laughs> my confusion. And they're both dirty blondes. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yes, I like that whole interaction as well. So overall, a solid episode. The only thing that really bothered me was that whole uh, ending with uh, with Negan and uh, Jadis. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of weird and out of nowhere. But again, I think it will lead to something interesting. Anyways, maybe wouldn't Jadis just like blow his head off? Like that's the other thing, right? Like she, uh, she thinks that Negan ordered the death of her entire, uh, you know, community. And uh, now she's got Negan at the end of a barrel. Wouldn't she just pull the trigger? Or she's stuck in that I don't actually want to kill him after all thing. Oh, I Rick has know. broken through that bullshit, but uh, Jadis has not. Where's Lucille? Right? Did she bring Lucille uh, with them? Is is Lucille in the trunk of the car? Well, that's what I was going to say. Lucille is probably locked in the trunk of the car, um, wondering how to get out. <laughs> yeah. Why bring the bat? Why, you know, put him in a put? She's got Negan in a situation where he could get the upper hand, and she brought his favorite weapon. Mm-hmm. Well, and and um, that bat better be well. The bat could be pretty charred at this point. Like it was on fire. Maybe that bat is not in sort of usable condition That's anymore. Fine. The bat's fine. Yeah, I know. I'm sure the bat's fine. Okay, so here's what uh, here's what Jadis wants to do from this point forward. Tell me, she's going to bring him back to the junkyard. She's going to put him in the helicopter. She's going to get the helicopter up to altitude and then drop him into the grinder. Like not only just get him into the grinder and chew him up, she wants to drop him from like a thousand feet into that grinder. <laughs> Straight into she's, it. She's been practicing with zombies all week, trying to get the uh, the exact right aim down. So uh, that's 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 her plan. That would be awesome. Take Take a dude up in the helicopter and then straight down into the grinder. Yeah. Okay. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be nice. I assume that's the plan and uh, I look forward to seeing that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a quick break, Jason. We will be right back with Holy Crap Moments. Uh, stay with us. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucy. With four hungry children and a crop in the field. I've had some bad times, lived through some sad times. Time you're hurting won't heal. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucy. 
If you would like to help out the Talking Dead podcast, a really easy way to do that is to visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash talkingdead. You know what Patreon is. You can support your favorite sort of internet creators over there by pledging a small monthly amount that uh, all goes into helping your favorite people do what they love to do. In our case, podcast about The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Visit the page and um, there are a few different uh, pledge levels you can choose, uh, including the ability to get a sticker sent out to you, or I usually include a couple, so uh, keep that in mind. (laughs) Or (laughs) if you want to get a shout out on the show for yourself or something you're doing or you know, a birthday wish or whatever, you have that opportunity as well. You have your choice, and it is a really easy and great way to help support the Talking Dead podcast and pay for all the stuff that we need to to keep this show going. So that's patreon.com slash Dead. Check it out, and we thank everyone for your ongoing support. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right. It's time for some holy crap moments from this week's episode. Marsha, maybe Marcia, I apologize. I don't know. uh, But at the beach in North Carolina, that's where she is, says, holy shit. Did you see Rick totally go against the plan and T-bone Negan's car? Never thought I'd say this, but what a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I can believe you would say that. You know, yep. <laughs> why not? And at the same time, and look at this earlier on, Daryl went against the plan and it didn't work out so well and apologized to, uh, Rick. And now Rick seems like he had a plan, but decided to change it at the last second and T-bone the car. So, uh, you know what? Both of these guys have decided to change it up at the last minute. Yeah. The plan, you got to be able to, uh, change, uh, based on uh, changing conditions because no battle plan, uh, Survives contact with the enemy. Right. So I guess you need to be able to mix it up in the moment. You got to be flexible. Donnie in Suffolk, Virginia writes, my holy crap moment was when Rick was on the car in the woods watching the saviors drive by. He sees Negan and appears as if he is about to blow the horn in his car twice. Was he trying to send a signal to Jadis who has captured Negan at the end of the episode? Like, we don't know what the deal was there. We don't know if there was a plan. As far as we can tell, Rick is out there by himself with no support, but is it possible that he did have some kind of plan with Jadis that we did not see them put together? Uh, Yeah, it's absolutely possible. They could totally be in cahoots. I don't think so, though. Like, he left her to die at the junkyard. So if there is, there is some sort of meeting that has taken place since then that we haven't seen. Oh, yeah, sure. Use logic and reason. (laughs) <laughs> I'm throwing that right out the window. Yeah, they could absolutely be in cahoots because, uh, you know, continuing logic and reason from one episode to another is uh, subject to change. Right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, if they do have this plan, it will go a long way to explaining why Jadis has him at the end. Yeah. But I don't think they do. I think this is just a weird random thing that has happened and we'll have to wait to figure out all the details or be told all the details. So she's wearing clothes in this, uh, in that scene too, that last scene. Yes. So she's not creating art at the moment. 
No, she does not have her like white gown on anymore. She yeah. is, uh, um, she is back to, um, clothed Jadis and probably normal talking Jadis too. Yeah. She, she does most of her talking in this episode with a gun. She does. But, uh, yeah, she's probably talking normal. All right. Um, Mike in Des Moines writes, holy shit, did you see that? Or in this case, hear that when Rick was chasing Negan in his vehicle in what appeared to be a quick homage to a 70s cop movie. I swear my ear was tricked into hearing a police siren coming from Rick's car. Yep, absolutely. Definitely not the only one there. And then Gemma in South Wales, UK also. My holy crap moment was the great scene where Rick is chasing Negan in the cars. The music playing is like a crescendo of a police siren getting louder and louder. And I think this was in Rick's head of him chasing down the bad guy (laughs) and Rick going into cop mode. It was really intense. They did a similar scene in season five when Rick car chases down that cop, uh, Bob, that guy, that cop, Bob running his way and hits him. No one mess with Rick Grimes in a car in cop mode. (laughs) It was nice to see the tables turned when Rick with Rick cornering Negan, who is vulnerable and Lucille less through much of the episode. Why I don't want Negan to die, though. I can't help it. I find him endearing. <laughs> oh. So there's a lot there. Um, she finds Negan endearing, but also cop mode. Rick goes into cop mode. I hadn't considered that it was an audio hallucination on Rick's part. Uh, I can accept that. <laughs> I like that. I like that a little bit more. Oh, yeah? You're, you're okay with that? I'm okay with that. He's a bit crazy. So as long as the, you know, when you're driving down the road and you don't have the radio on, uh, you get songs running through your head, right? It's like your own, you're in your own little music video. Oh, yeah. Is that, ever, that happens to you? That happens to me. It happens then, to me. Uh, yeah. So that's what he was doing. He was just, uh, he, he was on his own music video. It was an audio hallucination. Uh, and he heard sirens. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Why not? All right. All right. We have a call here from Austin. And I'll let Austin say where he's from. This is Austin all the way in Clee, Vegas, Tennessee. Holy crap! Lucille is on fire, and holy crap! Jadis kidnapped Negan. This was an awesome episode. Thank you guys for doing the podcast. Keep up with the great work. Thank you, Austin. Uh, so yeah, holy crap! Jadis kidnapped uh, Negan. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna drop him out of a helicopter. I think so. Uh, Ryan on the internet writes, "Holy crap! The Walking Dead is following the comics, except when they don't." Except when they do. Anyways, the weaponized zombie guts is totally lifted from the comics. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. Graham in Tuscaloosa writes, My holy crap moment has to be poor Dwight's tension about, do they know? What do they know about his betrayal? I have been in this situation before with work, girlfriends, family. I bet he won't have a solid shit for weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Poor guy. It's hard to get away with this kind of shit. Poor guy. Sorry for the pun. Under a lot of stress, yeah. Yeah, but you can do it. You got to be a little bit lucky and everybody has has to be a little bit stupid. And have a backup lie. And have a backup lie. And possibly someone else to blame. So Yeah, also have a, <laughs> uh, what is it, a shill? Not a shill. What's it called when you have somebody? Patsy, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, you need a patsy. When you think about it though, maybe this is what Simon was kind of doing. He was trying to recruit Dwight so he could blame it all on Dwight if it gets back to Negan. See, Simon's a thinker. He is a thinker. All right. Uh, Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, everyone is together again. And now they're not. 
Unfortunately, the nature of this show calls for them to be apart nearly all the time, and you forget how nice it is to have the ensemble together. Yeah. Because Rick showed up for like three seconds, went to the grave, and then left again. I visited his daughter. It's all, you, got the, you know, he hit the important spots. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Everybody else in my family's dead. I got to visit with my daughter and then visit a grave of someone. Glenn. And then, and yeah, okay. Well, let's assume Glenn. Okay. And then, uh, and then I got to go. I got shit to do. I got, uh, you know, I have to work with uh, people that I hate or person that I hate that all her entire community uh, was killed. But yeah. uh, she's doing me a solid and we're going to go kidnap Negan. I got people to kidnap and people to kill probably. Yeah. Uh, well, who's next? Sally on the internet writes, holy crap, Rick is missing everything he aims at when it comes to Negan. Maybe try not aiming at him and you can get him. Yeah. <laughs> at least he wants to. Yeah. At the very least, he wants to kill Negan now. I'm happy with that movement yeah, in the show. I would agree. Noop J in Dallas writes, what the fuck is Georgie? This is getting kind of silly. It feels, uh, it feels very much like the beginning of a new showrunner. Which te- <laughs> technically it's not, but it is soon. So it could be, it could be an influence. It could be, absolutely could be. Um, this episode was not written by the new showrunner, but you know, it sounds like these characters are going to be her responsibility when she comes in next season because it sounds like we might not see them again until season nine. So it could be, you're right. Well, I don't think it's necessarily a new showrunner thing. I think it's like we we talked about earlier. It's uh, the next thing after they wrap up uh, all at or. Sure, but Angela Kang, the incoming showrunner, is going to be the one dealing with the show when these characters yeah. are prominent. Maybe you know if if they become prominent. So, if if it was her idea to drop them in here just as a little bit of a teaser or an introduction, could be. Who knows. Yeah, and it's not like uh, our group of surveyors, survivors, uh, have to give up anything important to introduce these characters. They give up, like, what, a couple of records? That's right. Here's some music. No spoken word, though. No. No. Doesn't like spoken word. I don't like spoken word. Depends. If it's, you know, a record on philosophy, I'm probably not going to listen to it. Or (laughs) self-help. Do they have those? You know, actual vinyl self-help records? Oh, I'm sure they do. Who would listen to spoken word all day on the internet anyways? Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you crazy buggers crazy uh it could be comedy you know well that's good com- comedy albums would be gold totally some some escape from the uh horrors of regular everyday life in this universe yep. some comedy records mm-hmm. okay finally adam in texas writes holy crap this is the longest stalemate ever it's getting downright silly how long this is dragging out now jadis has negan now simon is in charge now georgie has all their records wait what <laughs> yep good stuff all right everyone thanks for writing in that is going to wrap up our podcast today Uh, but of course we'll be back later on in the week thursday night when we record our feedback show about this episode of the walking dead and uh we look forward to doing that and we look forward to uh you listening as well so Please send in your feedback so we can have something to read and talk about on that episode of the podcast in a few days. Uh, You can do that by sending email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or 
on Twitter at Talking Dead. And of course, visit our website if you want. You can find all of our past episodes there and also click on send voicemail at the top to record a message right into your phone or computer and uh, get us a voice message that way. Please send entries into the Record Your Favorite Scene contest. We want to get a few more of those if we can and, uh, you know, play a few more on the air as we've got about four weeks left in season eight. We will, uh, we generally have the deadline for entries the week after the season finale. That's so that if someone wants to record something from the season finale, they have a bit of time. But uh, that gives you four or five weeks from now to get those in. So please do. Talking Dead Podcast at Gmail once again is uh, gmail.com is the email address once again. And uh, Jason, unless you've got anything else, I think it's time to wrap it up and let you hit the road. Let's wrap this thing up. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you on Thursday. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.